0: Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well,
1: that's me, the empowerment architect. I'm Cynthia Bryan, your goddess gardener. Welcome to our power hour here. This is the informational playground called Star Style Be the Star You Are. It's brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity. And we come to you live every Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel. So we hope that you will sit back, relax, and get inspired and motivated. Today's show, of course, Valentine's is around the corner. So I'm going to be giving you a little bit of history about Valentine's Day, who he was, why was he a saint, why do we celebrate love and romance. And you can find out more just coming right up. Also, did you know that a poor credit report can prevent you from getting a job, buying a car, or moving up in life? It's so important to be financially literate. It's actually critical. So we will talk about uh, that kind of information and how you can be financially literate coming up in segment two. And life and love began in the garden. So, love is not only in the air, it's actually growing in your backyard. You'll discover the benefits of your personalized organic love potion number nine and be blessed with the beauty and seeds of the season in segment three. So, just stick around with us, and we will be giving you all of that information. The miracle moment for today is brought to you by Be the Star You Are charity. The website is bethestaryouare. dot org. Be the Star You Are. org. And this is from Euripides. The beauty of the season will grow wherever seeds of love are planted. And since this is our love show, that is our quote for the day. So hang on to that because love does make the world go round. And Probably the most important love is going to be the love of yourself because when you love yourself, you'll have the energy, the enthusiasm, the excitement, and the time to love others. I'm not talking about being a narcissist. I'm just talking about being kind to yourself and remembering that you are number one. So you have to take care of yourself first. And once you take care of yourself, everything else can fall into place and you can be a very caring caregiver for someone else. Well, every year on February 14th, people exchange cards, candy, flowers, and other special things with their special valentine. Now, it's interesting that 54 countries celebrate St. Valentine's Day, which was named after a Christian martyr who dates back to the 5th century. And the, um, the holiday, though, has its origins in a Roman holiday that was called Lupercalia. Now, you might have heard about that. The origins of Valentine's Day aren't exactly clear, but most sources believe that it stems from the story of St. Valentine. He was a Roman priest. He was martyred on or around February 14th in the year 2070. I mean, not 2070, (laughs) 270, 270 after Christ A.D. So that's sort of like... That's, you know, that's quite a long time ago. That's over 2,000 years ago or close to 2,000 years ago. How he became the patron saint of lovers has really remained a mystery, but there are theories. And one is that the church used the day of St. Valentine's martyrdom to Christianize the old Roman holiday of Lupercalia because Lupercalia was a pagan festival And it was always held around the middle of February. Now, the ancient ceremony included putting girls' names in a box and letting the boys draw them out. And then couples would then be paired off until the following year. That really sounds horrible to me, (laughs) that your name's put in a box and then you got to stay with that person for a year. Well, the Christian church substituted saints' names for girls' names in hopes that the participant would model his life after the saint whose name he drew. Uh, however, it was once again girls' names that ended up in the box by the 16th century. So when the church was trying to not pair the guys up with girls, just pair them up with a, a saint that they could emulate. Um, but what's the fun in that, right? Eventually, the custom of sending anonymous cards or messages to those that we admired became the accepted way of celebrating Valentine's Day. And there was an increase in interest in Valentine's Day, first in the United States in the mid-19th century, and then Canada followed. And then early versions of Valentine cards fashioned out of satin and lace and ornamented with flowers and ribbons and images of of, uh, cupids and angels and birds, they started appearing in England in the 1880s. So the symbols, as we know, of Valentine's Day have become hearts and the colors are normally red and pink. Uh, The flowers are normally roses and images and statues of cupids and cupid with the bow and arrow. Those are all supposed to symbolize the feeling of romance and love on Valentine's Day. Now Cupid is usually portrayed as this little small winged figure with a bow and arrow. I always looked thought it was a Cupid was like a baby angel. You know, they always seem like these little round bucolic, I don't know, creatures. And in mythology, Cupid uses his arrow to strike the hearts of people. And Cupid Supposedly, they call him a he, so I guess he it's a male. And people who fall in love are sometimes said to be struck by Cupid's arrow. So Valentine's Day focuses on love, romance, appreciation, and friendship. Of course, I do know people who have served one another their divorce papers on Valentine's Day. Now, St. Valentine's Day, it was, I mean, St. Valentine, the actual person, the man, was officially known as St. Valentine of Rome, and he was a third century Roman saint he celebrated in the Catholic religion um, that celebrated on the 14th. And he was associated with courtly love. There's not a whole lot known about Valentine's life, whether or not the stories involve two different state, uh, saints by the same name, that's possible. Nobody has given an official record, but... It is agreed that he was martyred and then he was buried on Via Flaminia to the north of Rome. So in 1969, the Roman Catholic Church removed St. Valentine from the general Roman calendar because so little is known about him. However, the church still recognizes him as a saint, um, listing him in. February fourteenth, spot of Roman uh, martyr, you know, martyrs. So I guess he's still considered uh, one of the Roman Catholic saints. Now the legends attributed to the mysterious saint are really inconsistent. Just like nobody really knows who he was, all the legends are inconsistent. But of course, it's so long ago. Uh, how do we? How does anyone really know? But here's a common story. Yeah, it says that St. Valentine, in one point of his life, he, he was the former bishop of, um, of uh, Tarney, Narnia, and Amelia. And he was on house arrest with a judge. And while discussing religion and faith with the judge, Valentine pledged the validity of Jesus. And the judge immediately put Valentine and his faith to the test. So Valentine was presented with the judge's blind daughter and told to restore her sight. And if he succeeded, the judge vowed to do anything for Valentine. So placing his hands onto her eyes, Valentine supposedly restored the child's vision. So then the judge was so humbled and he obeyed Valentine's request. He broke off all the idols around his eye, uh, house He fasted for three days. He became baptized along with his family and the entire 44-member household. I can't even imagine having 44 members in your household, but I'm assuming since um, he was this high-ranking official, it was probably a lot of, uh, of help that he had. So now this faithful judge then freed all of his Christian inmates that were in jail. And then St. Valentine was later arrested for continuing to try to convert people to Christianity. And he was sent to Rome under the Empress Claudius II. And according to the popular um, history of the day, what is believed to be the first representation of St. Valentine, the Nuremberg Chronicle, St. Valentine was martyred during Claudius's reign. And the story tells that St. Valentine was in prison for marrying Christian couples and aiding Christians who were being persecuted by Claudius in Rome. And both acts were considered serious crimes, like treason. So a relationship between the saint and the emperor began to grow uh, until Valentine attempted to convince Claudius of uh, uh, Christianity. And Claudius was so outraged he did not want to be converted, that he actually sentenced Valentine to death, commanding him to renounce his faith or be beaten with clubs and beheaded. So Valentine decided not to renounce his faith, and Christi- um, and he did not want to renounce Christianity. He believed in it. So he was executed outside that uh, Ph- Philomenian gate on February 14th. And however, there are other tales of Saint Valentine's life that claim he was executed either in the year 269, 270, 273, or 280, and no one really knows. And then there's other depictions of Valentine's arrest that say that he was secret, that he secretly was marrying couples so that husbands wouldn't have to go to war. I like that idea. I mean, because there were always wars, and they were always deadly. And so, but if you were married, you didn't have to go to war. Another variation of the legend says that St. Valentine refused to sacrifice to pagan gods. So he was imprisoned, and while imprisoned, he healed the jailer's blind daughter. Now, that sounds like another riff on the judge's daughter. But on his day of execution, he left the girl a note, and he signed it, Your Valentine." So that's where we get the Valentine. Now, Pope Julius I is said to have built a church near Ponte Mole in his memory, which for a long time gave name to the gate now called Porta del Popolo, which means uh, it was formerly Porta Valente. So the romantic nature of Valentine's Day may have derived actually during the Middle Ages when it was believed that birds... Paired couples in mid February. And according to the English 18th century antiquarian Alban Butler and Francis Deuce, Valentine's Day was most likely created to overpower any pagan holidays. So, although we don't really know the exact origin of the holiday, it's agreed upon and widely recognized. Uh, in at least 54 countries, as the day of love, devotion, and romance. And, of course, commercialism has taken over. And if you go to any store, it's filled with chocolate and pink and red and cards and, you know, uh, every kind of paper good and everything about Valentine's because, you know, we're in a uh, a consumer society right now. So whoever he was... The thing that that everyone agrees upon is that Valentine really and truly did exist, because archaeologists have actually unearthed a Roman catacomb and an ancient church that was dedicated to Saint Valentine, and um, it was post. It was the in 496. It was Pope Galasius who made February 14th a celebration in the honor of his martyrdom. And there are relics of St. Valentine. They can be found all over the world. Um, there's a flower crown skull of Valentine in the Basilica of Santa Maria in, Ro- in uh, Rome. And in 1836, other relics were exhumed from the catacombs on the Via uh, Tiberina and were identified as Valentines. Now, I don't know how they identify them, but that's what we're, the history says. And then they were transported for a special mass and dedicated to young people and to everyone who was in love. And um, Father John Spratt, in 1836, supposedly received a gift from Pope Gregory the Sixteenth in a little vessel, and it was red, and it was supposedly St. Valentine's blood. And this gift now stands in Whitefriar Street Church in Dublin, Ireland, uh, because John Spratt was an Irish priest. So there are other alleged relics were found in Prague in the Church of St. Peter and Paul. They've also been found in Poland, in St. Mary's Assumption Church. Um, they've been found in France and also in Vienna, uh, in Malta, as well as in Scotland. So in any case, St. Valentine is the patron saint of couples in love. It's But he's also the patron saint of beekeepers and of people who have epilepsy or faint. And he really is um, supposed to be the patron for happy love, young people, and travelers. So you'll usually see him represented with birds and roses. And we celebrate him on the 14th. So that's kind of exciting. Now, on the 14th, I just want to give a couple of notes if you have pets, because uh, it's such a sweet time of year, and, you know, with this reminder of love and to be loved, and we tend to present sweet gifts to those that we cherish. And Americans spend a record amount of care on their beloved dogs, cats, and pets. So it's probably fair to say that some lucky animals are going to receive some Valentine treats. However, make sure those Valentine treats are not candies, cookies, chocolates, or treats that are meant for someone else because there are two of the most common toxicities especially in dogs, are chocolate and xylitol. Now, everyone knows that chocolate can be a problem for dogs, but chocolate contains chemicals that are stimulants that are the same compounds that are found in tea and coffee. And at low doses, they can cause stomach upset or agitation. But with moderate amounts ingested, the signs can progress to increased heart rate, urination, and muscle tremors, and large amounts ingested, especially in small dogs, can actually lead to breathing seizures, um, high body temperature, and even death. And symptoms develop within four to six hours, and they can last for a few days, depending on the severity. And chocolate toxicity is directly related to the weight of the dog. So The amount of the chocolate in ounces or grams and the type of chocolate, the more pure and dark the chocolate, the higher the level of toxicity. So the worst combination would be dark chocolate or cocoa powder and a small dog. And then conversely, a tidy amount of white or milk chocolate in a large dog might not have such a problem. But in the event of a suspected ingestion, it's important for your veterinarian to know what type of chocolate how much might have been ingested, and it's safest to assume the maximum, obviously. And in most cases, it is recommended to get your dog or your cat or your animal to the vet as soon as possible to induce vomiting and remove any chocolate that's not yet absorbed. And then the sugar substitute, um, xyloterol, is um, found in you know, a lot of products like gum and toothpaste and peanut butter. And although it has great benefits for humans, it's like an antibacterial, it can help with osteoporosis, in dogs and cats and animals, it is is potentially fatal. It causes a huge response of insulin to release from the pancreas, and then that results in a sudden life-threatening level of low blood sugar as well as delayed liver tissue destruction and the mechanism for liver distru- destruction is not known, but it occurs eight to ou- eight to twelve hours after ingestion. So it's really important to if your animal gets even a small piece of like Orbit chewing gum, uh, to get them to the veterinarian or the veterinary hospital immediately, because that could be the matter of life and death. And sometimes the vet will induce vomiting if they think that the ingestion has occurred within two hours. And there's probably more treatment that will be necessary. Well, that's uh, all for Happy Valentine's Day and a little bit of background and also something that is good for our pets. So we can show our pets lots of love, but just give them pet treats. Nothing that is for humans. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are when we come back. We'll be talking about financial literacy, and we're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. During the break, you can check out our website at cynthiabryan.com. We'll be right back. Be the star
0: you are. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment.
1: Financial literacy is something that I've always been interested in. Obviously, at Be The Star You Are, we're interested in literacy and helping people read. But we're also interested in helping people be able to take care of themselves. And that means that you have to understand finances and you have to understand, you know, how markets work and your credit cards and balancing checkbooks and all of this. But I was reading an article in uh, Charles Schwab, and I just thought it was so fascinating that I thought I wanted to share it with you because to me it just made so much sense. And this was um, this was written by uh, Carrie Schwab, and she's I just I really like the way that she writes because she's so um, approachable. I really I should have her on the show or something sometime. But anyway, I thought this was very very good. So she's talking about um, financial literacy and the power of it. So when we're asked about financial literacy, and I'm going to be paraphrasing most of the things that she said, but at least you're going to get get the the background information. So most people think of a classroom with lessons in budgeting. Credit and debt, and perhaps even introducing uh, somebody to investing. And they're right; a financial literacy course could teach all of that. But there's so much more because, at its core, financial literacy is about extending equal opportunities to everyone, regardless of social economic background, and it's about breaking down the barriers between the haves and the haves nots. So, financial literacy is a A powerful tool for social justice that can arm people of all economic backgrounds with the knowledge, the skill, the training they need to thrive in an increasingly complicated and competitive world. So let's give you an example. Um, There's a student who grows up believing that college is off the table because it's so expensive. Or the young worker who is denied a job because of a poor credit report. Or the woman who's stuck in an abusive relationship because her husband controls all the family money. These are just a few examples of insidious ways in which a lack of financial literacy can really undermine a person's full potential. And by extension, these examples also illustrate the opposite, the life-changing power that can come when an individual knows that they do have the skills and the knowledge they need to make the best decisions for themselves and for their loved ones. So if you ever get discouraged when you hear that a significant percentage of low-income families have decided that college is not a possibility by their time their child is only three years old, you're not alone. You can't help but compare those chi- those children's opportunities to those of a child from an affluent family who at three years old is already being groomed for entrance into a prestigious preschool that will then act as a launching pad to an elite education. So the doors of opportunity open up for one child who's privileged and they slam shut for the other who really doesn't know that they do have the opportunity. So that disparity is really striking and it's 100% unacceptable. Now, according to a study by finaid.org, F-I-N-A-I-D.org, you can look that up, at least 1.7 million students fail to file the FAFSA financial aid form, the FAFSA financial aid form each year because they incorrectly believe themselves to be ineligible. Now, others get in over their heads with debt. I mean, if you read about the debt that people who go to college, that these young people are carrying, some never get to pay it off. And it means so much for their future. I mean, it's great to have an education, but if you're just saddled with debt, that's just horrendous because it's the interest rates just keep piling on and you can never get out from under it. So not understanding the size or the time frame for payments can be disastrous. And in the worst case of all, almost four million students a year drop out of school without graduated. And that's because they have so much debt. So they don't have a degree, and yet they have debt. So what does financial literacy and the workforce readiness mean? Did you know that a poor credit report can actually prevent you from getting a job or getting a promotion, or it can even keep you from um, keeping the job you currently have? In fact, more and more employers are using credit history in background checks, and that can have such an outsize effect on hiring practices and advancements. And until recent changes, the Department of Defense um, will now continuously monitor the financial status of service members with security clearances because poor credit, carrying too much debt, uncorrected mistakes on a credit report, or bankruptcies can jeopardize security clearances. It can jeopardize the ability to deploy, and it definitely jeopardizes any promotions that you could get in the military. So what about financial literacy as it's concerned with domestic abuse. According to the National Network to End Domestic Violence, financial abuse occurs in 99% of domestic abuse cases. Think about that. Financial abuse occurs in 99% of domestic abuse cases. So for abusers, money is power. And if you strip your partner of access to money, You also strip them of their ability to care for themselves or to make decisions that would be in their own best interests. Now, the National Network to End Domestic Violence also reports that victims find it difficult to leave an abusive relationship because they have no money and they have no access to money and because they have also been dependent on the perpetrator they can lack the resources, the knowledge, and especially the confidence to break that cycle. So financial abuse can be overt or can be subtle. I mean, taking many forms, it can range from forbidding the victim to work to controlling all the money and paying the victim an allowance or running up large debts on joint accounts, or it can actually be outright theft. And there's certain financial literacy um, Actually, I mean, just knowing about financial literacy, it's not going to cure it, right? For Because these are very difficult situations when you're in an abusive relationship. but um, And it can be a crime. But having no financial literacy does represent a powerful tool uh, that means that you're not protected. So by having financial literacy, you can protect yourself. And hopefully, have a path for the future. And if you have children, for your children. Now, there are some threads that connect those three examples. Now, the three examples that I just gave you were domestic abuse and also um, uh, credit reports. So, what happens uh, when you have these common threads? First of all, they all demonstrate that financial literacy can mean the difference between opportunity and adversity. So again, the threads abuse and debt, uh, the college debt that we were talking about, and, um, and of course the credit, all the credit reports. So they can mean that difference between opportunity and adversity. So a bright child who was denied an education or a qualified worker who's denied a job, or a person stuck in an abusive relationship, they just won't have as many choices available to them to improve their lives. And our lives need to be about choices. And second, financial literacy means access. And it doesn't mean just to money, but it means to the vital information We all need to succeed in the modern world and whether that's in school or the workplace or in our private life. So a child who hasn't been exposed to the basics of money management at home or money management when they are in school is at a distinct disadvantage when they get into the real world and they have to pay for college or pay for themselves or they have to get a job or rent, you know, rent an apartment. Or lead any kind of independent life, even if it's going to the grocery store. If they've never handled money, it can be a real shocker to go and buy groceries. Because one small bag could cost $50. Now, the third ultimate value of financial literacy is not just in knowing the mechanics of how to buy a car or to buy a house. Or to buy anything, for that matter. But in understanding how to approach a financial situation So it's like a liberal arts education in that a financial education will teach you how to think and how to access a situation, put it into context, and then how to weigh your options. It's going to help you adopt an analytical mindset regardless of whatever situation you face. So taken together, these benefits of getting skills in financial literacy roll up to perhaps the most important advantage of all, And that's having the confidence that you're going to need throughout your life to establish priorities, to set goals, and to make smart financial and personal decisions that are going to support the values that that you believe in. So we have to look at an ever-growing and maturing universe of financial education. And we need to be optimistic, obviously. And uh, if you are... Already financially literate, literate. Bravo to you, because we are at a tipping point, and we are making some progress in schools, but we need more. I mean, I know when I was going to school, I there was absolutely nothing that I learned as far as financial literacy. I learned it through raising chickens, selling the eggs, and being in 4-H and having to keep what we called a record book. And having to write down every penny I spent and every penny I made and having to balance it. And that's how I learned. And that's how I learned to save. And But in school, I never learned to balance a checkbook. I never, I never learned anything about that. So it's hard to believe that here we are in uh, 2020. And this is going to be a decade of renewal. So... We can look at what we've accomplished and what we still want to achieve. And when it comes to financial security, now is such a perfect opportunity to view and to review where you are and where you want to be and recommit to get on top of your finances. And if you need a nudge to get going, here are a few steps that were recommended by Carrie Schwab. And that's what I want to share with you. So take stock, number one. You can't make meaningful financial changes unless you know where you are. So a good place to start is with a snapshot of your overall wealth, otherwise known as your net worth. Add up all your assets. What do you own? Then subtract your liabilities. What do you owe? And that's going to show you whether you're in the plus or the minus, and it's going to help you plan and prioritize your spending You're saving and you're investing. And it also will provide a benchmark against which you can measure your progress over the years. Then look at your cash flow over the past year. What came in each month? What went out? And if you regularly spent more than you earned, you have to make some changes. The second thing is to set goals and prioritize. What's top on your list of goals this year? Do you want to save more? Do you want to pay off debt? Do you want to start a college fund? Do you want to help a family member? Do you want to rent a a bigger apartment or do you want to put money down on a house? Whatever your goals, also remember to um, contribute to a retirement account because retirement, getting to your 60s and 70s, will come faster than you think. Third is to spend mindfully. You want to create a budget that's going to support your new goals. Itemize your monthly expenses, both essential and non-essential. And make sure any top priorities such as savings or debt reduction um, and line items on your list of essentials. And when you make a spending decision, make it in the context of your goals. If you go beyond your budget, you've got to pull it back. And then plan for the unexpected. Health insurance is a must as well as automobile insurance and homeowners insurance or renters insurance. And you might want to consider life disability depending on your circumstances, but you have to have an emergency fund and that should cover three to six months of essential expenses. And then learn how to invest like a pro. So that means to review your portfolio at least quarterly and rebalance yearly to make sure you're still investing according to your goals and timeline. And if you haven't been investing, now's the time to start. And set up support systems, make day-to-day financial management easier by putting on as much automatic as possible, like auto-pay for recurring bills. I didn't want to do that in the beginning because I thought, oh, gosh, if I do that, somebody's going to take my, um, my passwords or whatever. But what I realize that, is that it, it makes my life so much easier. So uh, because I really needed to do auto pay instead of spending five and six hours a month writing bills, you know, stamping envelopes and all that. So just, you know, optimize your resources and uh, take a look at where you are and ask your employer. I mean, are, are there any pensions from employers? What kind of other benefits do you have? It's a good idea to review this with your employer if you're employed. If you need more reinforcement, you might want to set up a quarterly meeting with a financial advisor or a financial professional. And then also think about your legacy. You know, that means like an estate plan. Especially when you're young, we never think about those things. Um, And it doesn't have to be complex. But everybody needs to have a simple will, especially if you need to appoint a guardian for minor children. And you know, we're immortal when we're young. We never think anything's gonna happen to us. But however, accidents happen and people die young. So a small will, letting um, somebody know how you want your assets, even if it's a few hundred dollars, where you want it to go, will really help. And open up communication with spouses, partners, And anyone else, so that you can share your priorities, your budget, your documents, so that people in your family are on board and willing to do their part. And then finally, you have to stay involved because if you don't stay involved with these other all the things that I've just told you, none of these steps are going to work. So make these the steps that Carrie outlined part of the foundation for your future and for this year. And then you'll have some good financial management. And if you have children, start talking to your kids about money and about money management. So um, you can find more information if you just want to check on, um, you know, finance things at schwab.com fidelity.com There's Merrill Lynch. There's many different financial advisors out there, but stay with the big ones because you know they're not a scam. So when we come back from break, we're going to go into the garden because love was born there. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We will be back, so please stay with me. Hang in there with me. Be
0: the star you are. The star Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Are you passionate
1: about who you are and what you do? And if not, why not? People who are using their passion to run their businesses are happier. They're more fun-loving, they have less stress, and they are more excited about life. Do you know how to turn your passions into prospects? First of all, write down what you love to do in life and don't worry if it seems crazy or impossible. Dream the dream, write the plan, eliminate the naysayers in your life. All you need is one honest, supportive person. Go into action to get the skills you need and believe in yourself and all the possibilities. If you're having fun, others will too and with enough patience, courage and perseverance, the profits will come rolling in and you'll feel alive. Because you've discovered your passion. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another Business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. Cynthia Bryan, B-R-I-A-N.
0: Be the star you are. This business of show business is calling out to me. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out to me.
1: And we are back, and uh, you know that love grows in a garden, right? Well, you're listening to Cynthia Bryan, the goddess gardener. I have been writing for over 12 years um, a column called Digging Deep with Cynthia Bryan. And so over the years, readers have uh, started calling me the goddess gardener. So now that's what I'm known, and that's one of my books is uh, growing with the goddess gardener. And actually, it's going to be a series if I ever get the time to write, books 2 through 9 but i'm sure they're coming well we are in the month of february which derives from the latin word februa which means to cleanse now i talked to you about valentine at the top of the hour um but the romans fed it which was a month long purification and atonement festival annually occurring during the wettest and dreariest days of the year which was february and in california February is usually opening the floodgates of rain with weather that's overcast and cold. Uh, however, this year it is not dreary and gray. This year, the entire month so far has been sunny. In fact, the here in Northern California, we have been in the high 60s and low, 70s, and no rain in sight until March. So that is rather interesting that this is happening. Now, we attribute love to February because of the celebration of Valentine's Day, but what better place to savor the more than in the garden? So take a walk in a garden where natural aromatherapy have originated. Feel the spongy softness of cool moss as you step off the stone path. Admire the cymbidium orchids beginning to bloom. Sink your nose into a patch of narcissi or heavenly gardenias, inhaling their intoxicating perfumes. Cut a few stems of angel face roses with their heady, musky scent to give to your partner or friend. And if you're stressed at work, a visit to the intensely fragrant flowers of jasmine will instantly settle your nerves. If indigestion is bothering you after meals, I have a remedy for that, too munch on peppermint leaves with your lunch if your children need to focus more on homework or maybe you need to focus more just make a sachet of grapefruit peels eucalyptus leaves and rosemary sprigs they all will promote concentration take a big sniff and that helps you think are you having trouble sleeping at night pick a stem of fresh lavender roll the leaves and the flowers between your palms and breathe in the vapors. And all of these delightful therapies are available in the February landscape. Now, one of the season's wondrous, luscious gifts is the orange. Its folk name is Love Fruit because the orange is sweet and sensuous. Now, the orange warms your heart, restores your sense of humor, And it brings out your brighter personality. Just try it see if that works for you. And when you need a boost of confidence before an interview, a presentation, or an audition, smell the peels from any citrus, but especially from orange and lemon. Like right now, I have my glass of water in front of me, as I always do for my radio shows. I usually have water or tea. And I always have um, peels of oranges, lemons, tangerines or other citrus in it, because it makes, it not only gives me confidence, but it just wakes me up. Now, if you're feeling depressed or sad, you can inhale inhale the peels, because orange peels work as a, moon, a mood, not a moon, a mood elevator, and it restores that sunny disposition that you want. And even if the weather's really dismal, every time I hike up my hill to pick a navel orange, I am renewed and refreshed with that sweet, tangy juice. Oranges offer a concentrated vitamin C shower and that pollinates a dampened spirit. Oranges and tangerines are definitely my elixirs. I have finally, my tangerines were blooming and uh, with just, it was the tree was loaded this year. And I've just now finished my last tangerine and I think there have been tangerines from August on the tree. But now the oranges are ripe, so I'm so happy. And I cook with them. I use the leaves, the rinds, the piths and tea, as well as the flowers and salads. And I love creating sachets. And you can also toss the peels in your bathwater. If your muscles are aching after a hard day's work, that really works too. Now, since we have more time to dream indoors about gardening this month and probably until spring, than actually going outside, it's like the perfect month to do like the Romans. Clear the clutter, cleanse your body, mind, and soul, and tidy your garden in anticipation of spring. So you could peruse some garden books and catalogs, make a list of what you want to sow for your family's enjoyment. And when you start growing fresh, healthy food, you're going to be showing your heart some love while saving trips to the grocery store. Oh, yes, I forgot to mention, February is Heart Health Month. So experience some increased vitamins Uh, flavor and color while munching from your private garden of eden so definitely stock up on oranges and uh, you will get that extra that extra jolt of vitamin c and just remember that life and love began in a garden and love is not only in the air it actually can grow in your backyard if you decide to plant it there so discover the benefits of your personalized organic love potion number 9 and you will be blessed with the beauty and seeds of the season. Now I do have a few tips for gardening in February. So love your heart by eating healthy fresh greens, berries, fruits combined with exercising and thinking positively. I just went out in my garden and I picked Swiss chard and arugula because those are growing really nicely right now and Uh, So what I'll do is I will just chop up the Swiss chard, add a little bit of lemon rind, lemon pith, lemon juice, and olive oil, and it's really good. I just saute it for a couple of minutes, and that is great. And, of course, arugula, I just love it in the salad. Now, weeds are sprouting because it did rain in uh, January, and I know parts of the country have been flooded. So if you have weeds in your garden, it's easier to pull them now when the uh, soil is soft and damp as so you can wait till they're like six inches high and then pull them out. It's time to prune your fuchsias, your roses and any still dormant shrubs or trees but don't prune your spring flowering specimens like don't prune tulips because they're going to just start blooming. Don't prune lilac or magnolia trees and of course don't prune your fruit trees like my peach trees are all in bud and there's like beautiful little pink buds and probably within a week I'm going to have a beautiful full tree. And I will say it's a full month early because the peach trees usually don't bloom until St. Patrick's Day, which is March 17th. So I find that rather interesting. Now houseplants need a refresher this month. So repot with fresh potting soil Prune any dead leaves, give a jolt of fertilizer and a spritz of H2O, clean and sharpen tools to get ready for next month um, because it'll be March madness. And it's so interesting now that this weather has been so sunny, it feels like spring here in California and everything just started like sprouting really quickly where normally it's not. Now, camellias are in full bloom right now, so why don't you pick a few and float them in a bowl for Valentine's Day? They're so pretty. You can plant your bare root roses probably another couple weeks, and you'll have blooms by summer. Identify mushrooms as edible before you pick and consume them. They're probably growing in your lawn, and most of those are probably poisonous, so don't eat a mushroom if you don't know that it is edible. Add moss to areas around stepping stones for a very romantic, ethereal sensation. If you really want to be a a romantic and you have the money, you can name a rose after your special someone or celebration. You can find out prices from rose breeders or develop your own specific rose. The American Rose Society serves as the International Cultivar Registration Authority for Roses. And they follow the rules that are set forth by the International Cla- um, Code of Nomenclature for cultured plants. So if you're interested in getting a rose named, you can go to rose.org and follow the instructions for a new variety. You can make a simple arrangement of mums, baby's breath, and stock to bring a bit of sunshine in if your weather is dreary. And don't forget to clear the cutter, the clutter, cleanse, and purify because, you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans. And, of course, celebrate Valentine's Day with a pocket of posies picked from your garden. Give the gift a bare root rose, and that'll yield years of adoration. So I hope Cupid's arrow remains in your heart all year and fills your days and nights with passion. So I do wish you a very happy Valentine's Day. And I thank you for being um, with me every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. Right here on the Voice American Network. We are the Empowerment Channel. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We come to you live every single week. For more information about Star Style Productions or to purchase any of my books, don't forget they make great gifts that keep on giving. You can visit... um, StarStyleRadio.com or StarStyleStore.net to make a donation to the charity and that would be a great sign of love to donate to Be The Star You Are instead of giving flowers or you know cut flowers that will die. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. See beyond your physical being and know you are already the star you dreamed of becoming. Cherish the past, dream of the future, and celebrate every moment of your life. And until we celebrate again next week on Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m., remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style. I thank you and encourage you to be the star you are. Be your unapologetically authentic self. Have a marvelous week. Dream, create, inspire, make a difference, and may Cupid shine on you and point his arrow in your direction, and may you have the love that you deserve and desire. Thanks for joining me. Be
0: the star you are, the star you are.